Lord, for our nation, Lord, send revival. Come and cover this land. Lord, we, we, we need you. We really need you. And God, we pray for the change in our nation that only you can bring. And God, we pray that that change might be something that starts with us and in our hearts. Speak to us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we are gonna, we're kind of going back now to uh, three weeks ago. I had started a series at the beginning of June called Living in a Messed Up Land. And uh, I did a couple of Sundays on that theme. And basically, I was starting to look at the Old Testament book of Judges. And then we took a break with Charlotte and Jonathan teaching the last two Sundays. Now I want to come back to the book of Judges and living in a messed up land. Just, just a recapper for those who weren't here, the Old Testament book of Judges, the background is, is this. There was a period of 400 years for which the pe- during which the people of Israel were prisoners of war, slaves in Egypt. And then God sent Moses to deliver them from their slavery in Egypt, okay? So they, they, uh, they are freed. The exodus takes place. God says he has got a, a land he's going to give them, and he's going to guide them towards that land. Uh, that should have been a journey of a matter of a few months. But actually what happened was because, of, because the, the, the people of Israel, once they were free from Egypt and God had delivered them, instead of like being grateful, thankful worshipers of God, they kept messing up. And God kept saying, okay, so you know what? You're going to have to wait a while. And in the end, they got to a place where God said, none of you who left Egypt is going to enter into the promised land. And so he led them in circles for 40 years. And then they went into the promised land. So they go into this promised land and God says to them, now there there are other tribes and nations living there and they all worship other gods and I want you to destroy their gods and set up this as, as where my people live and where I am worshiped. But they didn't want to do that. So they took what seemed to be the easy route, and they said, what we want to do is we actually just want to peacefully coexist with these heathen groups and nations. And that's basically the background to the book of Judges. And what happens through the 400 years that's covered of history that's covered in the book of Judges, what happens, I'd mention, is, is there's this whole regularly repeated pattern where the people of Israel, everything's going fine, you know, everything's good, and then they start to kind of compromise and they start getting involved with the lifestyle of the heathen among them. Things go downhill. God allows others to oppress them, and they come to a point where they hit the bottom and cry to God to help them, and God gives them a deliverer called a judge, and the judge delivers them, the leader, and everything starts looking rosy again for a while, and then they start the same downward trend, and the book of Judges is a totally predictable pattern right through the whole of the book of the ups and downs. And there's a phrase that's repeated seven times in the book of Judges, and it's in Judges chapter 3 and verse 12, and this is what it is. 
again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Everything seemed to be going okay, but again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that phrase is repeated seven times over. That experience, that cycle repeated itself seven times through the history of the book of Judges. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I want you to just keep that statement in your mind. And then I want to go back to a, a verse that I mentioned the first week of this series, which is in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. And in Judges 21, 25, it says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, there's something that I noticed a couple of weeks ago when I was actually sitting on the beach in the Dominican Republic, um, not being a teacher or a handyman or a medical person or speak Spanish. Uh, I just sat on the beach. And, 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 and reading the book of Judges there, there was something that struck me that I hadn't noticed before. Seven times it says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But there in chapter 21, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And, and here's, what I, here's, here's the conclusion that I came to. Most of the things that Israel were, was doing that were evil were not evil in their own eyes. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. They thought they were living the right way. They thought they were doing things that pleased God. They didn't go around thinking, well, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. That wasn't it. They did what was right in their eyes, but what God saw it as was they were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Are you getting this point? Are you with me? They thought it was right, but in God's eyes, it was evil. What was right to them was evil to God because living amongst heathen people had diluted their values. I hope you're hearing this because we're going somewhere here. Living among heathen people had diluted their values. And the longer we live in a messed up land surrounded by messed up people, the more danger there is of us becoming comfortable with the shifting standards of the world around us. There was, there was someone said to me a few weeks ago, where could I get a Bible? I said, well, if, you, if it's okay with you, I'll get you a Bible, because it's important to have a Bible in language that we use and can understand, right? And, and, uh, so I, I, got a, I got a copy of the message, which, you know, purists don't like because they say it's not an exact translation. Uh, no, it's not an exact translation, but you get the point of what the Scripture is saying. Well, many years ago, we did not have multiple Bible translations. Most of our Bible reading was done in, in uh, 16th century English with words we don't even use anymore. And then in the, in the early 70s in the UK, 
a translation came out. It was just the, it was only the New Testament. It was called the Living Bible. The Living Bible was like the message of its day. It was like, it was like in, in, in normal uh, spoken English, just like regular people talk. And uh, I, I love the Living Bible. And you know, there, there, are, there are a couple of verses that I still remember, what, 50 years later, as they appeared in the Living Bible. And here's one of them. In the book of Philippians and chapter th 3 and verse 18, it says this. There are many who walk along the Christian road who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. That's heavy, isn't it? There are many who walk along the Christian road who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Or to use a different analogy, there are a lot of people who talk the talk, but there aren't as many people who walk the walk. And there are people who seem to be going in the right direction, but they're actually going against God as they do it. The next verse goes on and says how that works out. It says their God is their appetite. We're not talking about eating good steak here, okay? All right? Their God is their desires. Their God is their appetite. So what comes first to them is what they want, how they want to live, what they want to do. That's what matters. And because of that, what follows on from that is this. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of. Okay, you're getting the point here? The people of Israel did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, but actually they were doing what was right in their own eyes. And, and, and sometimes it might be good for us to take inventory of our lives and just to take a look and see whose value system are we following here? And, and when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the bottom line, actually who's right? And I'm going to tell you this, and... and if you had to leave now, it would be okay, but I've got more to say. But, but here's, here's the thing. If the question is who's right, the answer is always God. Right? Who's right? God's right. God's right. So you know God's always right. Don't be stupid. No, don't, don't be. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, I'll get in trouble for that. No, but don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. God's God, so God is right, Yeah? Who's right? God's right. So, so you're saying that's wrong in God's eyes, but I feel okay with it. You're wrong. So you're wrong. No brainer. You're wrong. You're wrong. Something is missing. So here's what I want to talk about today. Okay. I, I, hear, I hear now and again people say, preachers don't talk about sin anymore. All right, I'm going to talk about sin today, okay? That good? That'll keep some, that'll keep some folks happy, right? So we're going to talk about sin. So, so let's talk about the definition of sin. What is the definition of sin? Because the thing is this, sin is not necessarily about violating our own conscience. Sin isn't necessarily that we violate our personal standards or society's standards. Sin consists of going against God's requirements. That's what sin is. See, our culture talks a lot about personal choices, 
Only you can decide what's right for you. If it feels good to you, then it's okay. If you're happy, if I'm happy, what does it matter to anybody else? In other words, everybody does what is right in their own eyes. And what that led to in Israel was loss, misery, and torment. And what that brings us to is a nation that's unsettled, ill at ease, angry, looking for direction. The fact society says something is right doesn't make it right, okay? The fact that the mayor of New York says it's good to spend $200,000 having transvestite strippers in, in elementary schools does not mean it's a good thing, right? It doesn't mean it. Now, on the flip side of that, the fact that a high school football coach gets fired for kneeling to pray at the end of a game doesn't mean he did a bad thing either, right? Right, so, so here's the thing, here's the thing. Society doesn't set the standards of what's right or what's wrong. Sin is violating God's will for us. What God sees as sin is sin. Regardless of what we feel the media says or our culture agrees on. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. If there's any discrepancy, who's right? God's right. God's right. In, in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, it says this, consult God's instruction. I want you to notice this next phrase. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. Hello? That's one of the things this book does for us. It warns us. Consult God's instruction, it teaches us, and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. All right, so if anybody doesn't speak according to what this says, then the fact is they are speaking darkness and are in darkness. But this is our source of instruction, and this needs to be where we take warning from as well. If the, if the Bible says a behavior is wrong and society says it's right, the Bible is right and society is wrong. I'll say that again because it was complicated even writing it down. If the Bible says a behavior is wrong and society says it's right, the Bible is right and society is wrong. Paul put it very bluntly in the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 4. Here's how he put it. Let God be true and every human being a liar. Bottom line, if there's any discrepancy, God's telling the truth. The human being is in. We don't get to define sin. You don't get to define sin. The government doesn't pass laws that will define sin. God alone defines sin. And what brought Israel into defeat and despair was that they lived by their standards and not God's standards. And I'm going to tell you this, that is still a recipe for disaster. And if you disagree with me, feel free to, but look around you and see the state our world is in right now. It ain't working. It's not. It's not working. Society is crumbling. 
Those of us who belong to the Lord, who know the Lord, our, our goal needs to be, as followers of Jesus, to live the way he did. John chapter 8 and verse 29, here's what Jesus said. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. That, folks, needs to be our goal. I always do what pleases him. Man, that word always is a big word, isn't it? And we fall short at times, don't we? I'll wait for your answer. Feel free to think about it. I, I know you've got to dig deep to think about it, right? But we do. We fall short at times. But that needs to be our goal. My goal is I always do what pleases him. That needs to be what I'm really stretching for. And that's why, you know, those of us who know the Lord, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of, of, of how God is and of what God says. Acts 17 and 11 says this. It, it says, the Jews received Paul's message with enthusiasm and met with him daily, examining the scriptures to see if they supported what he said. That is such a good move. You examine the scriptures to see if they support what people say. And if the scriptures don't support what people say, let God be true and all men liars. That becomes our bottom line. The definition of sin is here in God's Word. It's not out there with the standards of society today. Okay, still good? I said it would be a heavy morning. Okay, let's take a look here then, not only at the, the, the definition of sin, but let's remind ourselves of the deception of sin. Psalm 3, uh, sorry, Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says this. You might know this verse. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So if we don't let God keep us on track, we're going to go off track. So we need to trust God. We need to listen for God's voice. Listen for what God says. God's the one who made us, who gave us life, who gave us our purpose, and we need to be tuned in to what God says to us. I saw a meme the other day, which was, a, was actually a, a BBC news presenter. When we first came over here in, in 1991, 31 years ago, this summer. When we first came, one of the things I liked to do was I liked to watch the BBC News because I thought the BBC News gave a more balanced uh, and thorough picture of the news than basically our, our, our main news stations here do. And they did, used to. And now they've gone the way of all news channels. And I saw this meme, which was a BBC newsreader. He said, welcome to the six o'clock news. I will now tell you what to think. <laughs> and I thought that was a fair commentary on news as a whole. We've got to be careful where we take our direction from. And we don't take our direction from commentators on life. We take our direction from the God who gave us life. 
and we listen for His voice. Colossians 2 verse 8 says this, see to it that no one takes you captive. These are incredible words. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Wow. Don't get held prisoner by human tradition, the spiritual forces of this world. That's what's happening to Israel in the book of Judges. They're living amongst these heathen nations, and you know what? They start to absorb the values and the practices of the heathen nations, but they still think it's okay, but God sees it as evil. And as followers of Jesus, we live in, I'll use the word heathen, I don't mean that in a particularly derogatory, well, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but you know, we live amongst people who don't know God, have got no interest in God, who don't share our values, who look at life and at things very, very differently, and if we're not careful, we can take on their values. Paul says to Timothy, guard yourself. Guard what God has trusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. How people like to give the idea they're the enlightened ones. Listen, let me tell you something. If sin looked ugly, it wouldn't be enticing. I mean, I mean is, is, is it not fair enough? If sin looked ugly, somebody very kindly gave me a, a gift card for, uh, for my birthday, an Amazon gift card. So I, I thought, you know, I know what I'll do because I don't have a lot of shoes. So I'm going <laughs> to… Oh, all right. Some of you know I got issues. Okay. So, so, so I decide, I, I think, you know what, I'm going to go and see what I can get. So, so I went and I, I went onto Amazon. I did a search. I like Cole Haan shoes because they're a bit different. I mean, never paid full price for a pair, but I like them because they're a bit different. They're a bit quirky. So I'm looking at this whole page of, of Cole Haan shoes, and then I go down, and they're, they're these black kind of, what do you call them, wingtip shoes, but with a blue inlaid part of it, like, and white soles. And I thought, that looks really good. And, and you know what? I, I only had to add $3 to the gift card to get them. So, like, I got a $3 pair of shoes, and I ordered them on Thursday, and they came yesterday. But they weren't Kohlhan. They were a brand I'd never heard of that were made in China, and they, and they didn't fit. That's why I'm unhappy this morning. <laughs> but, but you know what? They looked really good on the screen of my computer. They looked really good. And that's how I got sucked in. And for a minute or two, I was thinking, oh, I guess I could keep them, I guess. But they weren't what I had imagined. Listen, sin only trips people up because it's enticing. And that's why we need to be careful. 
And, and, and you know what? We can start to kind of make excuses for a lifestyle that's not right and say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Everybody else seems to be okay with it. And surely if it makes me happy, doesn't God want me to be happy? That is one of the most unbelievable statements, questions I ever hear. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes, he does. That's why he's shouting at you, stop it. Because he does want you to be happy. That's the whole point of the exercise. Well, it's not affecting anybody else. Well, I'm sure God understands. Yes, he does. God understands you don't want to do what he wants you to do. See, here's the thing. When we're doing what's evil in the eyes of the Lord, you might say, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. The whole thing about sin isn't that it's hurting somebody else. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son, some of you, in, in, in Luke chapter 15, right, where, where this guy's got two sons and one of them wants to go off and have his inheritance ahead of time, like before you die, dad, I'll have the money now. And he goes off and, and, and how he spends it all on all kinds of stuff, like really off the wall lifestyle. And then he's, he's broke and he comes back home, right? And when he comes, he comes back home really penitent, hoping his father will let him live as a servant in his house. And he comes back and he, it says this in Luke chapter 15 and verse 21. It says, the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I want you to notice the order of his statement there. Father, I have sinned against heaven. That's, that's where sin begins. Now he says, I've sinned against you. You may say, I'm not hurting anybody else by the way I'm living or by what I'm doing. But, but here's the thing. Sin is when you are going against God. Father, I have sinned against heaven. In, in, in Psalm 51, David is praying after he has um, committed adultery. He has had the woman's husband basically killed so that he has free access to her. And then he comes and prays to God in Psalm 51 and verse 4. And here's what he says. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. His primary concern was he'd sinned against God. I mean, he'd had a man murdered, but he said, God, I've sinned against you. The deception of sin is that it's harmless. The deception of sin is that God understands. The reality of sin is that sin cost the life of God's Son, and Christ had to come and die for our sins. Romans 6, 1 asks this question, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We are those who have died to sin. My encouragement to every one of you this morning as we live in a heathen world is let's be those who have died to sin and refuse to live in it any longer. Sin is deceptive. A writer by the name of Thomas Brooks said this, Satan paints sin with virtue's colors. Satan paints sin with virtue's colors. And then here's, here's, here's the tragic bit. Sin is not only deceptive, the destruction of sin. Sin is destructive. Proverbs 14 and verse 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. 
And society can say what it wants, and society can, 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 can make whatever standards it wants to make, but the reality is this. There is a way of living that leads to life, that's God's way, and there is a way of living that leads to death, and that's any other way. The death of a marriage, the death of a family, the death of your finances, the death of your dreams, the death of your reputation. One of the, one of the, the, the guys in our church is a, is, a, is a former airline pilot, and he, he put a graphic onto Facebook yesterday that I saw, and I thought, man, that is such a great illustration of, of what I'm talking about. And um, uh, Michael, thanks for that. I, I've stole it. It mightn't be too clear on the big screen, but let's just take a look at that graphic if we could. And what we've got there is a snapshot yesterday morning of one moment in time, and those are planes that are crossing the Atlantic. Now, believe it or not, that is all guided, right? Because there are air traffic controllers. I know we've got some air traffic controllers in here this morning, so I better be careful what I say because I know nothing about air traffic control, you know. Um, but but, but, the, but the, the fact is, Every one of those is on a particular, specific flight path. And if one of those planes, somewhere along there, if the pilot says, oh, and I've been flying at 35,000 feet for hours now, I want to go down to 30,000 for a while. <laughs> right? Disaster. If somebody says, you know what, they sent, me, they sent me the high route over the Atlantic the last six times. Forget that. I'm going to go right across the middle. Disaster. Disaster. If any one of those decides they want to go their way, they want to do it their way, they want to deviate from that, and from where they're sitting up high there, it might seem totally fine. The reality is it's not going to end well. And here's the thing, friends, with God's God, our creator, God who oversees the whole of this world and of humanity, God has a plan for this world and for everybody's life. But the truth is this, somebody's got to be calling the shots. And as much as in that situation, there's got to be somebody who's calling the shots. When it comes to life on earth for mankind, there needs to be somebody calling the shots or else there's going to be absolute ruin, devastation, and chaos. And the somebody who calls the shots is God. It's God. And when we follow the flight path designated by the Almighty, then the fact is we arrive safely. But if we decide we want to go our way, if we're sticking to what is right in our eyes, though it is evil in the eyes of the Lord, what is going to come out of that is disaster. Now, I am, I am fully aware that particularly for those of you that, are, that are, are younger here this morning, and I'm so glad you're here, that some of what I'm saying may seem a little strange because you have grown up in a culture of accepting, accepting everybody and accepting everything. And you have grown up in a culture of tolerance. And you're going to have a little bit of difficulty swallowing when I say today, everything isn't okay. 
and everything isn't right. And if we continue down that path as individuals, as families, as a society, then what will come is disaster. But if we will live God's way and follow God's path, what comes out of that is we rise from the depths and we live under the blessing of God. Listen, we need to make sure that we are not embracing what God calls evil. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, 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 didn't, I didn't say that we need to be telling everybody they're evil. I didn't say don't hang out with people whose standards are different than ours. Of course we should. They need, they need what we've got by the grace of God. Absolutely so. But the reality is this. There's a great prayer at the end of Psalm 139, which is a good prayer for all of us to pray on a pretty regular basis. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer for us all to pray regularly. See, we can see, we can see perhaps, you know, where others are off track. We can see where others have, have lost the plot. But you know what's most important? What's most important is that we haven't fallen into the trap of doing what's right in our eyes, but it's evil in the eyes of God. So you know what? Let, let's bring it back in here to me. Because that's where I'm firstly responsible, right? My first accountability before God is for me. So let's bring it back to me and say, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Who's right? God's right every time. And our goal should be to always do the things that please the Father. Let's pray together.